0: Hello and welcome viewers to Talk and Tech, where every voice matters. I'm Aditi Basine, Masters of Psychology student and president of Zales Group. Today, we have with us Ms. Divya Shivastava, who will be talking to us on topic, post-COVID stress disorder, another emerging consequence of the global pandemic. Divya Shivastava is a counselor, psychotherapist and life coach or one can simply call her Ambassador of Love and Acceptance. She is a trained hypnotherapist, NLP, and Breakthrough Coaching Practitioner. She is an internationally certified Access Bar Facilitator and EFT Practitioner. She is an advocate for sensitivity, compassion, acceptance, and vulnerability. We welcome you, ma'am, to our talk tech show. Thank you so much, Aditi. It's my pleasure to be here. Thank you, ma'am. So our viewers today will be talking about post-traumatic stress disorder. PTSD is a result of often experiencing traumatic experience in the past. It increases anxiety, it increases overthinking, and also also leads to mental health disorders. So let's start with our show today. Before talking about PTSD ma'am, I would like to ask you a very personal question. How did you enter into the field of counselling and mental health? Uh, Thank you for asking me this question.
1: And honestly speaking, um, I'm also a little surprised that I'm here because uh, uh, speaking on the topic of PTSD because uh, I was in second year of college doing uh, my triple major degree. Back then, I was not sure whether I wanted to pursue journalism or whether I wanted to uh, venture into psychology full time. Unfortunately, that year, I lost a friend of mine because she completed suicide. And that particular event was very traumatic for me. It was something that took me a long time to uh, cope with, recover from. And uh, I was very lucky at that time that I received help. And uh, it made me uh, feel like, you know, that this is a very meaningful profession. And I would love to make that contribution in someone else's life. And that's how I landed in the field of psychology.
0: And then today I'm a counseling psychologist. That's great, ma'am. Something which actually uh, pushed you towards counseling and mental health is obviously for a personal reason. And also of yours, I would like to mention that she's also a founder of Silver Lining Wellness Center, which is an extension of her private practice. And I guess it has completed five years so, congratulations for that, ma'am. So, Thank st- you. starting with PTSD, what are your opinions about PTSD? So, uh, I think
1: uh, PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder, if we have to break it up, just the word itself, it's post-trauma. So, it's basically a mental health condition that is triggered when there is a traumatic event or a terrifying event in someone's life. Um, with PTSD, PTSD, the person doesn't have have to be experiencing the event. Even if they are just witnessing it, it can lead them to develop this condition. Uh, some of the symptoms are like you mentioned earlier. You know, having flashbacks of that episode, having nightmares, being plagued by anxiety, and also having thoughts about the event which are beyond the person's control. And it's a very uh, pervasive uh, mental health illness because. Um, People who go through uh, traumatic events, they have a lot of difficulty in coping and adjusting to uh, things uh, and they require a lot of self-care. They do need to invest in therapy um, to be able to live a life where that trauma does not impact their day-to-day
0: functioning. Absolutely. I agree to that. And PTSD, I believe is obviously from a name, we can say it has a word called trauma, which, which in oneself is very dangerous if somebody faces it. So who are prone to PTSD? Is it some segment of population or is it that anybody can get PTSD? So if we look at the term again, post-traumatic
1: stress disorder, so let's start with the simple term of it, which is stress. Okay. So every one of us is prone to stress in our everyday lives. When we look at the word trauma, however, there are two kinds of trauma. Okay, We can call them small T traumas or big T traumas. Each one of us has gone through small T traumas in our life. Uh, for example, when you were younger, um, maybe you wanted to go to uh, a party and your parents did not give you permission and you spent the whole night crying or you gave up food for three days and tried doing whatever you could to get your way and even then that did not work for a child that is also very traumatic for a four-year-old having their chocolate fall on the ground or the ice cream fall on the ground and the parents screaming at them that no you can't pick it up it's okay and now we are home we can't buy you another ice cream that's also trauma and those are small t traumas a big t trauma could be someone who's affected by a natural disaster uh, it could also be having, being in a serious uh, relationship that has suddenly had a breaking, uh, like that they had a breakup. Um, being prone to abuse. And, you know, like, one abusive incident is enough to have someone plagued with uh, PTSD, depending on the intensity. There are people who have complex PTSD because they've gone through a series of traumatic events in their life, and therefore one has added to the other. So, To be very honest and without meaning to sound cynical each one of us could get ptsd if if that is the kind of trauma or something that we come in contact with or if that's the kind of event that happens to us in our life
0: right as you said that it is something which can come up basically out of stress so even if ice cream falling on the ground or failing in an exam so, how do one know that they have they have PTSD? What are the symptoms of PTSD?
1: So, all of us have traumatic events in our life and all of us have stress. However, some of the symptoms that uh, we use to identify PTSD, one of them is intrusive thoughts. So, what do you mean by intrusive thoughts? When a person has unwanted, distressing memories of their traumatic event, which are recurrent, which they cannot control, it keeps coming again and again all the time. and They keep having flashbacks of these events. They keep thinking about it all the time. Sometimes they are able to not get proper sleep because they are having dreams, they are having nightmares about this event. Um, They may also start engaging in avoidance behavior where they try avoiding talking about the event completely. They want to avoid people, activities, places that remind them of the traumatic event. Some go to the extent of maybe wanting to move to a different city and completely erasing that chapter of their life as if it never happened. That's also a form of PTSD. Um, They feel hopeless about the future. They feel that uh, there's not much left to life. They cannot maintain close relationships. They feel emotionally numb. That's something they commonly say that I can't feel anything. I'm not interested in doing things that I like doing. I cannot... uh, feel that attachment anymore to my close friends to my family members and um, they also have uh, more uh, like uh, like uh, difficulty in concentrating sleeping Um, they may get easily startled or frightened like you know uh, for um, so I remember working with someone who had uh, the label of PTSD she had a fear of balloons and it's when you hear about it the first time you're like balloons why they are harmless right but uh, she had an episode where she was really young and she had, uh, she was living in a uh, turbulent area and her father was shot. And the gunshot reminds that when the balloons burst, it's the same sound that uh, she feels like, you know, when the gun, the shot, she remembers the gunshot again. So even a thing like a birthday party, for example, is impossible for her to attend because she knows there will be balloons and she has the fear of them. Um, they are always on their guard. Some of them also have a lot of guilt, anger outbursts, and they may also be engaging in a lot of self-destructive behaviors like substance use and abuse, or rash driving sometimes because uh, they just want whatever it, whatever possible to you know not think about that episode.
0: So if I summarize the symptoms of PTSD for my viewers, it's like the person who has symptoms of PTSD feels numbness in the body. They have guilt. They are scared of the voices all around. They are not able to, basically they have disturbance in sleep. They don't have an organized thought at point of time and they feel being isolated at the time when they have PTSD. Now talking about after all these symptoms, how would one detect that or whom should they prefer going when they have PTSD? Is it the psychiatrist? Is it the counselor or is it the psychologist?
1: So when they have these symptoms and if the symptoms they feel are persisting for a period of over a month, they can first check in with their doctor. They can go to a psychiatrist first obviously, because they may need medication initially to support them especially when it comes to you know being able to sleep at night for example they may need medication for the same but at the same time they have to they have to complement that visit to the psychiatrist with therapy because medicines alone cannot help them uh, you know cope with the symptoms and cope with the uh, state of uh, how they are feeling so medicine can target some of the symptoms but they need to visit maybe a counselor maybe a therapist whatever they have access to And, um, you know, work towards, uh, like, you know, uh, work towards basically feeling better and uh, taking care of all areas.
0: Exactly. But there is a question which comes as if, like you mentioned, that medicines are something which people should prefer going when when they have this PTSD symptoms for like lasting for a month or so. But do you feel that medicines can affect the body in a long term manner? Does not therapy only work, or is there any other effective way which can help person come up with PTSD problems?
1: So all medications have side effects. If we have that, I understand that's the very very ver- where you're operating from. But essentially, if a doctor or a psychiatrist is prescribing you medication, they definitely feel that the side effects uh, outweigh, uh, like you know, like uh, it's okay for the side effects to be there because right now the greater concern is something else. So, like I said, medicine is not a long-term solution. So, no one will put you on medication for life. But when you go and you take it, like suppose you go to the psychiatrist that's step number one, if you are prescribed medication, it side by side, you should start therapy, you should start counseling so that you know that you have a support system or you are taking care of all kinds of things possible. Like if I had to substitute it in a different way, um, if you want to lose weight, okay, a lot of us want to. The gym membership is not enough, right? You can go to the gym and then go and eat donuts, eat ice cream, eat pizzas. It's not going to help. You still need to take care of your diet. You cannot go to the gym and say that I exercised here every day, but I did not lose weight to so return my money. So you have to take care of your diet. You have to take care of your uh, like a physical body through a movement also. You need both these factors are important. In the same way, when it comes to a mental health disorder, you need to go to a doctor, first psychiatrist. Not all psychiatrists will prescribe you medication also in the beginning. And remember, when you talk about post-traumatic stress disorder or any disorder for that matter, it refers to a cluster of symptoms. Okay. So, if because of PTSD, say one symptom is lack of sleep, difficulty in falling asleep, you can get a medication for that. There is another symptom where you are losing interest in everyday activities. You are having difficulty in coping with situations which you previously liked. There is no medication that can fix that. So you do need therapy for that. You do need a stronger support system for that. So we have to integrate mental health as a profession and realize that seeing a psychiatrist is not the only solution. Seeing a counselor is not the only solution. We need to work together in collaboration and then move our way out and unlike allopathy or physical illness where it's one size fits all uh, more more uh, times than it does in the case of a mental health uh, disorder um, your symptoms could be very different from another person who has ptsd so the medication you get for example may be very different also
0: right i agree to that so it just uh, it's it's just like summarizing it too that therapy and medicine should go side by side medicines can't do without therapy and therapy cannot be done without having medication. If only it is a persisting long-term symptoms which a person is facing. I remember in the very starting, you mentioned that how even a falling of ice cream and even failing in the exam can be stressful for children. So what are your views when on, like who does get PTSD more, Who who are prone to it, children or the adults?
1: So uh, according to studies, people who have a history of, uh, like like people can develop PTSD by the way at any age. So if you are a 6 year old or a 4 year old boy and who lost his home to a tsunami, you could also get PTSD. An adult who is 70 years old also losing his home could also get PTSD. So it is not something that is dependent on age. But like I said, there are different kinds of PTSD that is there. Complex PTSD happens when you have a, had a series of traumatic events in your life. So, a child who's had say multiple episodes of sexual abuse may also grow up in life attract partners that are uh, not that are toxic in nature. Their PTSD would be extremely traumatic and extremely complex compared to someone who may have had just one episode of PTSD. So, I would definitely say that having a history of trauma, having a history of Uh, big T traumas. It can increase your susceptibility to developing PTSD. Um, Another thing that can develop like, you know, increase your chances is lack of a support system while growing up also. If you've not had a healthy support system, you've always felt isolated, had difficulty in managing your uh, symptoms or feeling that you're cared for, protected for. Those also could increase your uh, susceptibility to Developing a mental health disorder like PTSD.
0: I totally agree to what you say. But like we talked about even a little stress can do. But if you see yeah. today's scenario, scenario, it's a COVID pandemic. It's a global pandemic which is going on. Do you feel symptoms of PTSD is increasing within people in this particular scenario? I had a conversation with my
1: friend the other day. And uh, these are the ex- these are the exact words I told her, and I'm saying it here. Where when this pandemic ends, all of us are coming out of it with PTSD because the kind of stress each one of us is going through. I'm sure, like last year, it still felt a little far away, and uh, we became a little bit more aware and humbled of our privilege and accessibility this year because the current wave is such, which has impacted almost everyone and I think almost is also something I feel I can delete right now and say COVID-19 has right now affected everyone in the globe. Each one of us either knows someone personally who has had COVID-19 who has recovered from COVID-19 have ourselves recovered from COVID-19 or had COVID-19 or has lost people because of COVID-19 and lost people, lost faith in infrastructure there is hopelessness Um, Last year, if I see, even between my clients, last year it was all about, I'm not being productive enough. I'm getting bored at home. I want to go out and meet friends. In the last two months, the kind of calls I have got for people reaching out for help, none of them talk about getting bored. None of them talk about, it's really boring. All they want is, when will this end? We just want people to be alive now. I don't care if I'm shut at home forever, if that means that me or my loved ones will be safe. So that hopelessness about the future, what's the point of it, what's really here? It is coming up a lot more and people are somewhere as a mass, like, you know, globally, I think, just grappling with the trauma. And I do feel um, once this pandemic starts wavering away and once people start getting vaccines, As a nation, I don't think we are prepared to even understand the mental health crisis that we may get hit by. It's like we don't know what came over us because people are already talking about languishing, not being able to focus, not being able to figure things out. Um, Last year, a lot of people lost jobs. They were worried about financial constraints. This year, even that is not on the radar. People are like, I've heard that if it's stressful, I'll quit my job. It doesn't matter. And... The thing that, what do you mean? It doesn't matter. You do need a job, right? How long? What's the guarantee? What's the point? There are so many people asking these questions, having an existential crisis. So the COVID situation has made things quite grim. I do feel personally that, uh, yeah, more and more people are going to start having symptoms of PTSD. I don't know how much awareness they have to get access to the help they deserve but we'll have to wait and see what we
0: can do exactly in this pandemic that it's getting very difficult to process things around us not only losing the uh, the people we are close to but also coping up with this work pressure coping up with everyone's emotion because nowadays we all are with together in our homes nobody is going out for work so we're Previously, before this pandemic, we used to spend two, three hours, or maybe maximum to maximum five hours, we can say, with our parents, with our family members. Here, we spend twenty-four into seven uh, hours with our parents. So, I mean, yes, it is very difficult to cope up with this. But apart from somebody, like nowadays, even it's getting very difficult to reach a mental health practitioner due to lot of a lot of no awareness. In fact, in, uh, in the in the country of India. So can you suggest our viewers few methods they can control the PTSD symptoms or maybe uh, stop them from becoming it a major symptoms being at home?
1: Okay. So uh, you brought in a lot of beautiful points here, Aditi, I must say. Uh, one of the things that you rightly mentioned that uh, people these days do not have immediate access to a mental health practitioner. And I will tell you one thing. The reason why that is happening is A, Even before the pandemic, the number of people available to cater to the whole population's mental health needs, it's not enough, okay? And uh, we don't have any budget allocated for mental health at all in our uh, system, which makes things more difficult. Secondly, in India, because of the stigma associated with mental health, seeking help from a mental health professional is everyone's last resort. I often ask people, like, you know, what have you done so far? to you know, cope with your issue. Nobody has said I had this issue when I came to you today. They've always said, yeah, I tried this. I read a book. I spoke to my friend. I went to this place. I spoke this. I I, I tried this. They've done some hundred million things. And then finally, because nothing has worked, they've come to me. So they have come as my last resort. They have come when they are in extreme crisis. They have not come when... Things were at a 6 on 10. They've literally come and 10 on 10 has happened and now they don't know what to do. So, one thing that our viewers watching this need to understand is you are not the only ones going through the pandemic, so are the mental health professionals. We are human too. So, while the pandemic has brought about an increase in awareness about mental health issues, what it has not prepared you for is just because you have the awareness now and you are bombarding a practitioner with a uh, calls, messages, reach out, I need your support. You need to understand that we also at one time can only take limited number of people. So the best way you can help yourself is not wait for the crisis to get worse. Actually reach out when you're when it's at a 4 on 10 or a 5 on 10 because, uh, you know, when you clean your house every day, Diwali cleaning does not seem like a big deal. But if you accumulated all your mess for a year, and then you want to marry condo the whole thing, it's going to be a disaster. And it's going to take forever and a longer time. So even with my clients, I say that, you know, even if we terminated our sessions, we do check in every two months, three months to just see how they are doing. Because we don't want stuff to build up and get intensified and worse and then seek help. So the first advice I would definitely give viewers is when you are at a four on 10 and you're reaching out to a mental health professional, there will still be a waiting period, but it will be four, five days you can manage. When it's at a 10 on 10 and you don't get immediate help, it's, it's worse. Then you feel like the world has shattered. No one is there for you. And it gets very difficult because you've lost all input, You've lost all your patience. So that's one thing I definitely would recommend that don't wait for your issues to get worse or spiral out of control before you seek help. Um, mental health care another thing people say is it's very expensive because nobody can fix my issues in one session so that's something I personally don't have uh, like I will not be very kind when I say this but I have seen people spend 8,000 10,000 minimum to buy a smartphone if each one of us here has a smartphone I'm sure if you spend 8,000 by the way if you decided to spend 8,000 in therapy you would easily be able to book yourself three months worth of therapy sessions minimum, okay? And people who are freshers, who are starting out, they charge even less. So you could even work out a package where you are in therapy for four months, and nobody needs to be in therapy for that long, also for small issues. So it's just like you have to look at it: Is this too costly for me? Is it too expensive for me? Or am I worth it? Can I not spend eight thousand on myself? My brain and my body are going to be with me till the last day that I am alive. My phone, I'm going to upgrade every two years. But if I'm... And then there are people like, oh, but I only want to work with you. So it's also, again, your comfort levels and respecting the professional's comfort levels. Like, you can... If you want to go buy a branded jeans from, say, a Levi's showroom, you will... Levi's is not going to give, you, give it to you for the same price like the one you would get on the road, which is maybe like, you know, 10 times cheaper than what that pair of jeans is worth. So there are different therapists out there. Some are very expensive. Some are more affordable. But uh, you need to decide how much investment you feel it is worth for your own well-being because I feel that's something that should be priceless. Um, that's definitely one thing I would recommend. Uh, besides the need to seek therapy, one one technique that I recommend people to do is this concept or spoon theory. Okay. So, if we have to look at uh, all the amount of energy that we have, okay, what if we use metaphors as a spoon? Okay. So, for every activity that I do in which I need energy, I'm using one spoon. Okay. So, if I wake up in the morning and I'm not a morning person, it takes me more, more time, more effort than someone who's a morning person. They would spend one, in it's one spoon, they get out of bed and they're out. It probably takes me five spoons. I'll wake up to the alarm. I'll smooth my alarm. I'll try bargaining with myself. Can I sleep 10 minutes more? Do I really need to? So even when my day has started, I have already used five spoons versus someone who used only one. So we, you start your day taking into account, okay, I've woken up in the morning. I seem to have woken up in an okay mood. So let's say I'm feeling really great today. I woke up with 100 spoons. Then I did, then I dilly dally spent five spoons just to get out of bed. But okay, I like bathing, I like dressing up, all of that. So three spoons, I'm done. So I have eight spoons today and I have the rest of the day to go with. Now let's take COVID now. Okay, so suppose you are someone whose family member has been diagnosed with COVID. You wake up already feeling that heaviness. No ways are you waking up with 100 spoons. Okay, you're going to wake up with maybe 30-40 and then you have a choice. Okay, now if, how am I going to utilize my 40 spoons today? Can I actually waste 5 spoons in getting out of bed or should I just get out of bed and finish it once and for all? So, the concept of rationing comes in when you look at it from a spoon perspective and you start. So, if I if I had to go my usual way and 5 spoons I took, then I have to brush, I have to bathe, oh my God have wasted like 12 spoons already, my balance is 18 spoons, okay? And maybe before afternoon has hit, I'm out of all spoons and I don't know what to do, how to function. But what if, so taking adequate breaks between work, so that if I'm feeling deep, like, you know, when your phone battery dies, you recharge. What are the things you can do to recharge your spoons, get more spoons? What are the things that deplete your spoons? Identify that, okay? Make a list of things that you know you are able to do easily. What are the things that you that really stress you out? For me, I realized that I, I love to cook, by the way, and I cook really well. But I love cooking at the end of the day after all my clients and everything is uh, over because it's my me time. So that time when I cook, I really cook very well. But if I had to do the same thing in the morning, I would not be able to function or I would not be able to do it. So, um I usually like if I, when I have help at home, I'm very comfortable asking her to make me breakfast and lunch. But dinner is something I really enjoy cooking for myself because it energizes me in some way. And then, of course, I'm eating also and then I'm doing things I like and that's my me time. So you need to figure out what schedule works best for you. It's remote working now. So most organizations are being uh, considerate and um, trying to work their way out. Use the spoon theory in your day-to-day life and observe the difference. It's definitely a fun way to break something down and the first two, three days you may just be like, oh, this is pointless. How do I know? What if I don't know the right number of spoons? It doesn't matter because no one's going to take stock. Even I'm not going to come and check what is the basis on which you said you have 20 spoons. So it's completely selective, completely subjective try this out, it actually increases productivity as well.
0: That That's amazingly explained that how do we have the effective ways of coming up? Not just, I believe we can, I can add one more thing is meditation. Obviously, somebody is in stress and if I ask that person to meditate, that is not practically possible for them because they already have so many thoughts over them. But yes, they can try doing meditation. Maybe it will work after a week or so. And the best thing which ma'am told us was reach the mental health professional as soon as possible. In fact, you can reach to Divya ma'am also on Silver Lining Wellness Center's website. You'll we'll get all the information there. Ma'am, you talked about how, uh, what's the difference between your client-specific coming post-COVID and pre-COVID? So uh, would you throw a light a bit on how, you, what your what is your experience with regards to clients you are attending right now?
1: Uh, So, before I attend to that, I'd actually like to respond to one more thing that you added up. So, meditation is something that's really effective, but it's not for everyone, okay? And if you are someone who has uh, a label like depression, for example, or someone with complex PTSD, meditation may not be right for you because you may actually end up uh, rethinking or revisiting those thoughts in the name of meditating. So, that's something I would say exercise with caution. Uh, don't uh, take a generic thing about, you know, let's meditate because it may not be for everyone. So that is just something I want to uh, state out there that it's great for anxiety. Instead of meditation, practice mindfulness, which is just uh, looking at techniques that help you be in the present moment, irrespective of the past, irrespective of the future. So maybe, you know, do watch YouTube videos or connect with a professional who can teach you mindfulness techniques, those are actually a little bit more effective than conventional meditation. Um, Going back to your question about, you know, differences in issues with clients pre-COVID, post-COVID. So the greatest change that I've noticed is A, the number of people reaching out for help has actually increased. And um, one thing that people are not talking about is therapist burnout because just like people are overstressed, boundaries between work and home have become blurred. Uh, one thing that has helped them is they can access therapy anytime anywhere it's easier for them to make time for therapy now because uh yeah you know afternoon i can take an hour off manage my meetings here and there work and come for therapy pre-covid my busiest hours used to be early morning before they used to go to work some people like dropping in for therapy and in the late evenings afternoons were genuinely free for me to do other things because uh, no one is going to. Uh, nobody usually comes to uh, for therapy in the middle of a work day. Even students would come after college hours or something, and you know, seek counseling. So right now, uh, the way things are, work begins at any time can end any time because I'm home also. So um, there's no thing of there's no concept of traveling. So the number of people reaching out has increased. The number of people able to make time for therapy has also increased. Uh, With regards to issues, um, I think uh, there is a difference between last year and this year itself, but largely they are work-related or a lot of conflict-related because staying with people for 24-7, like you had also mentioned, it's not easy. Even if you have the best of relationships, it it can get tiring. So a lot of them also just want to deal with those issues, figure out what's really going on there. And... That's how, uh, those are the nature of concerns. Um, I've also noticed that people in, before COVID, uh, there was a lot of issues around, because obviously I work a lot with people who are younger. So, you know, regarding career choices, regarding uh, issues with socialization, like college politics, are not able to make friends. Now, because everything is remote and there are some people who lost out on the campus experience completely, there is loneliness there, a lot of it, because they don't have a peer group that's coherent. Either if they are lucky enough to go to a college or uh, higher education where they have friends already, they have made before, it's helpful, but that ability to connect and form great friendships that that arena is kind of lacking. Um, even with workplace, you know, there's more to happen that happens in an office than just work. You go. You talk to the receptionist, You talk to people in their re- other departments. At least you hang out with them, have chai, have coffee, something like that. Now remote working, everything is work related. Even though you're meeting people, you're meeting people who are in the same team who you have worked with. People you used to randomly encounter, they were not your friends necessarily, but but generally that has also uh, like you know stopped. So. Um, People are craving connections that don't always require them to invest energy, invest time. Like the best way to de-stress would be, you know, I need a break from my team. Let me just go have chai. This person knows nothing about my team. I don't need to know anything. We can just sit at the table, talk about the match or something and then just go back. But now there's no such dynamic. Okay. So I'm only talking to people because I'm living with them or because they have some work from me or I have work from them. So the casualness of the encounter that has reduced, that's also creating that whole sense of um, restlessness somewhere because everything has to have a meaning purpose behind it. So that's also something they're struggling with a lot.
0: You rightly said about how this is things going on. What's the client difference? And yes, I do want to tell our viewers that stress at times can help you being more productive because when you are stressed, you are more creative but if it is long lasting, do not ignore it. Please reach a mental health professional. And this is a time as the ma'am said, it's very comfortable sitting at home, reaching a therapist out there, taking off from your work time. And best part is what ma'am said was having me time for yourself, which is very important in this entire pandemic time. So coming to the end of the session, Thank you, ma'am, for giving us the wonderful insight on what post-traumatic stress disorder is, and also sharing your personal experience with us, like how and what kind of different clients you are having pre and post-COVID. So, uh, and the viewers who are watching our video, please like, subscribe, and share. Thank you so much. Thank you.